This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Ian Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Getting ready for that hurricane. What's the hurricane called? Uh, Ian. Ian? Yeah. That's you know, so I'm, weird. Well, for what it's worth. <laughs> um, You're not having a great day or a good day. <laughs> I'm not having a good week. I've been sick and I'm turning. I'm a little bit better now, but now there's a hurricane that's coming right yeah it's coming right up the gut on me and uh i think i'm just gonna sit here and take it i've just been watching like eric's eric henry's tweets about everything that's going on and it's i have a lot of friends in the state of florida you included and it's scary and i know people have been through this before it's like it's okay you guys know what to do but there's a lot of people who haven't so people are panicking and i I just hope everybody stays safe and has enough like water and food and that kind of stuff you know i mean i'm obviously like a massachusetts transplant so i don't have a ton of ton of hurricane experience i had one a couple years ago that was supposed to hit the one that uh, i forget its name right now the one but the one that really messed up the bahamas do you remember Mm. that one that were like hovered on them for like a week yeah, kind of, I never remember the name. It was a category five, but it was supposed to hit Florida then after that. And it just kind of turned right. out to and didn't. Uh, so I prepped for that one. That was going to be my first big one, but it never hit. Or it was a rainy day or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, but this is the first one. I think it's a category three right now. It might be a four. I don't know. Well, everybody stay safe, please. I'm apparently not paying good enough attention to it, but... <laughs> I, yeah. I bank on being far enough inland in Orlando where it dies down a little bit, but mm-hmm. this one seems like it's going to be a pretty direct hit that stays strong for a while. So, it's so crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't think I could live in a place that has stuff like that. So, Of course, you live like on the San Andreas Fault. Okay, so. but we just, that only had like one really gnarly... Yeah, you're overdue is what that means. Yeah. I remember the 19... 19- 89 earthquake and exactly I have like vivid memories of exactly what I was doing at the time and where I was and stuff. So, but that was the last really bad one. 1989. Yeah. I didn't say how old I was, but I, <laughs> I was young. I was a young child. Anyways, if you uh, that, let's recap some week four football games, please. Moving on. Yeah. We have to recap week four in the AAC. I would call it a week. <laughs> I don't know. Cluster. It really wasn't cluster. It was a cluster. So I'm looking at my notes now and I was like, mm-hmm. I was going to say it's a bad week. I'm like, no, the first like five, six games that I've got to talk about when it's when I got to like the bottom three, I was like, oh yeah, that's where I ran into the It was just like a crazy, you know, things happen that can't be explained. Other things happen that shouldn't. 
you can't even don't try to explain them. And then some there was very few things that happened the way that they should have happened, because even the teams that won in games they should have won, they didn't win the way they should have. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a weird, unsatisfying was a, week for me. It was a strange week. We are officially down to zero on beaten AAC teams. That's a zero for those keeping track. Of yeah, nobody left. Uh, Tulane lost to Southern Miss. That was a bit of a surprise. We'll talk about that later. Yes. Uh, but first, I want to talk about the game that you were in attendance for. Uh, yes. That was the Iron Skillet game, TCU 42, SMU 34. I want your thoughts because you were there, you were live in person. It's always a better vantage point than the couch. Yeah, it, it was. A, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll preface it with this. I I fly out, you know, and I go to the game. I get stuck in Phoenix the night before, so didn't even make it to Texas. And I have a big slate, you know, on Saturday, so I, I really needed to get there. But mm. I got a 5 a.m. flight. I flew straight into Love Field. I got in at like 9.30 and I just went straight to, to the stadium, which actually ended up being easier than I thought. So my impressions, I've never been to Fort, Gerald J. Ford Stadium, never That's been to awesome. SMU's campus. Yeah, it was gorgeous, but it actually wasn't that hard to navigate around game day, which should have been the first cue that this was not going to be as big of a game as I thought it was going to be. Okay. I was able to get right in, dropped off by Uber, get into the stadium. No problem. Um, not full, not even close to full. Now this should not have been an 11 AM kick ridiculous that they put this rivalry game at 11 AM where people are not going to go. It was 95 degree heat. People were like passing out in the stadium. You know, it was not well thought out in my opinion by the conference. So that being said, SMU, the defense looked terrible, right? I mean, you watched it. Yeah, I watched on TV and it looked like any other SMU game for the entire Sunday Dykes era, frankly, where the offense is good and capable and explosive, but but the defense is going to get ripped apart. And it was bad. It was bad. I believe in Rhett Lashley long term as the coach at SMU. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to shake out those old cobwebs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a chance he's another offensive guy. He's, you know, he coached for Sonny Dykes at SMU. You know what I mean? There's a chance mm-hmm. that's a lot more of the same that you signed on for with him long term. Yeah. Which honestly, that's not a bad thing. Sonny Dykes is going nine to three, ten and two every year at SMU. That's a good thing. You know, I if think, you look I at think SMU post death mm-hmm. penalty, Sonny Dykes is by far the best coach. Yeah. Most successful coach, I should say. Uh is the I think most appropriate way to work. He clearly had the most success. So like signing on for the most success you've had in 30 years again is a good thing. But it's just yeah. more same type of success, which is that very, ah, we're going to give up 35 points a game. Hopefully we score 38. And, you know, it's tough. Tough to win. Well, TCU goes up really early in the first quarter. Fans start leaving after the first quarter. So that's just kind of where you that know, was. Like Bada ticket fans. What, like... I, all kinds of fans. They were just streaming out. It was just crazy. And so the stadium was definitely half empty. By the end of it, it was completely empty, even though they did kind of mount that comeback mm-hmm. that almost was successful, but not quite. Um, there was no booing of Sunny Dykes at all, which I was the most excited for. You know, like that because I was expecting more of an atmosphere. Yeah. I was expecting some chippiness. There was none. There was no fights on the field. There was no. If you go back and watch last game of the regular season last Mm -hmm. year, when it was clear that he was going to TCU. Yeah. Fans were in getting at Mm -hmm. him. All off season. They've been upset about it. We've been talking about this game. That's all. The whole narrative was based around, you know, Dykes leaving and, and all this stuff. And none of that was, it was just like a regular football game. That wasn't very good. You know, 
I think Mordecai looked worse in person and something that became very apparent to me when he struggles like this is that he does not go through his reads. He was just looking at rice every play. And it was so obvious in person that he doesn't check off at all. So that's something he's going to need to fix. He's absolutely a gunslinger and people have always Mm -hmm. described him as a gunslinger. And there's times when that's a compliment and there's times when that's an insult. Right. You know, and I think against, you know, against TCU and in the fourth quarter against Maryland, it was a bit of an insult. Yeah. You know, he's struggling against Maryland too with the same thing. You know what I mean? He like forcing the ball to rice uh, and had a couple turnovers against Maryland. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it's the same kind of thing where it's like when it works, it's incredible, but when it doesn't, it's aggressively bad yeah. in the other direction. And that's, it was tough. A respectable. It's a one score game at the end of the day. I still yes. think should have won this game. TCU might be better than I'm giving them credit for at the same no, time. No, they're not. So? And in person, no. And the, SMU made that quarterback look so good. He is not that good. Uh, they're really like what killed me the most is they had this chance to win it. And then they get this leaping penalty at the end of the game. The <laughs> like I've never seen that happen ever. And, and that just really, they only had like, they had like no penalties the whole game. And then they get the sleeping penalty that just kills them. So it was an unsatisfying game. I left there feeling not fulfilled at all. And that was kind of disappointing because I was excited for the iron. They didn't produce the iron skillet. There was no iron skillet after the game. Didn't even see it. Yeah. It wasn't on the field. There was no flag, flag planting, which I really hoped somebody would do. There was just like no excitement or emotion at all. It was just kind of like, that's, oh, they won. That was it. Me, it's not like either team was bad coming into this game. Like if right. three, you'd be like, okay, I can see the one with Right. Out. I get that. Yeah. No, they, I don't know. It was very bland and I was yeah. just kind of like forgettable. So that's really my, my takeaway on that. <sighs> Whatever. Frustrating. Here, can I give you another frustrating one that we can talk about? <laughs> yeah, let's For go. you at least. USF three, <laughs> Louisville 41. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I'm I keeping my eye on this. <laughs> I don't know that I need to say much other than mm. Jeff Scott. I think it's over. No, I think it's no. over. I, I start to see the uh, articles about how much this is buyout and the USF fans going, no, there's a secret buyout that makes it a little bit more expensive, uh, no. which is exactly how it started when Charlie Strong came to an end was people talking about, me, I, I was one of the people talking about his buyout. I, mean, <laughs> like, I was people. <laughs> well, I remember distinctly back at the end of the Charlie Strong era, writing an article about how should you spend the money on Charlie Strong's buyout or an indoor practice facility? And USF fans did not care for that take. And my, because my opinion was by the indoor practice facility, not the uh, coach out. You need one more long-term. Um, so you probably watched this game, right? I didn't actually. I you didn't get that. to see all of it. Okay. Well, I didn't get to. I saw highlights. I didn't. Right. I didn't get I, to see how it started. I didn't really feel like flipping over and trying to figure out what was going on. I, I wish, and I might try and go back and watch and see like how this unfolded in the first quarter because I really, I don't, I looked at the score periodically as I was at the other game and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. What I mean, all it comes down to is they went, walked in, were completely unprepared, were not mentally there and they got their butts yeah. kicked and once they got down they stayed down 
Yeah. yeah they got whooped into Cincinnati and they stayed some. I'm just glad they didn't score none points. Like, oh, thank God they got. Uh, USF fans that I know on Twitter were very mad about that field goal at the end. <laughs> surrender field goal that please don't shut us out field goal. That I mean, I would rather have that than. You might, but the USF fans who I know on Twitter, who I think are good people and smart people and know about the program well, were not happy with it. Why? Because it's a. Because you're down like 38 nothing, 41 nothing, you kick a field goal in the fourth quarter. And then Jeff Scott's reasoning after the game was he wanted to make sure that the kicking unit got some practice in the game. Like, no, that's ridiculous. He didn't want to get shut out, but what's wrong with that? (laughs) What's wrong with wanting to not get shut out? I don't understand. the The depressing surrender field goal is just, I think to a lot of people, it encapsulates the Jeff Scott era. It's, look, we did something... Don't look at everything else. Look at this one thing. Would you rather have your team be the team that got shut out and trolled? Like, or would you rather at least have something on the board? I'd rather get shut up and have a surrender field goal personally. Oh my God. I would rather not get shut out. UMass zero, Temple 28. (laughs) If you want to do that transition. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that, Dan? I I can go back if you wanted to keep talking about you. No, no, no. I just thought I'd make the joke transition for. No, there you go. Um, no, like the the thing with USF, just to finish up my thought is they suck. Jeff yeah. Scott has not figured it out on the field. No. I think it's it's sad. It, before, I like the things he's done off the field to build the mm-hmm. program, but at some point wins need to come and follow, and they're just not. And it's depressing, actually. Yeah. As you see, USF is depressing to look at. Um, yeah. yeah, UMass is another depressing team, but you know they're one of the two schools I went to. So, <laughs> but we're um, happy to see Temple, you know, get a yeah, shutout because very, they can. Yeah, very very slow start to this game uh, by both offenses. I think UMass had a couple opportunities that they squandered in the first half, but ultimately UMass doesn't have a a competent high school quarterback. They just don't. Mm. Yeah. Like when you play UMass, it's kind of it's, important to have like, to have that. They, they don't have an option. Like on the first drive of the game, UMass used three quarterbacks trying to figure it out. Oh boy! Like, like they don't have a competent quarterback, and like the offense as a whole is not good, but the quarterback position is so bad that you should. Yeah, and I think you have to give Temple credit for taking care of business in that regard. Um, their offense, Temple's offense, I think left points on the board in this game uh you know but i really really like what i'm seeing from warner early in his career i think he's going to develop again the same thing when tulane played umass i don't know how much you can take away from it because i basically consider it the same as beating the fcs team this year so yeah you beat lafayette you beat umass to me that's the same one well it was the first shutout for temple since 2016 and guess who they shut out in in that game 2016? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, 2016, Temple went to the AAC Championship and I believe won it. It was Matt Rule. Mm-hmm. I'm just stalling for time right now. Yeah, it was Tulane. UConn? UConn? Okay. <laughs> it was Tulane and it was 31-0. So that was the last time was they had shut somebody out. Year. Yeah. Um, and then also they did have a player earn AAC honors of the week. Alex Odom, sophomore safety, had a game high nine tackles with an interception in the 28 win against UMass, helping the Temple defense hold its op- opponent without an offensive touchdown for the second straight game. 
So there you go. Yeah. There's a little streak coming alive there. Rutgers did not gain the offense, and at the very least, they're a Big Ten school, not UMass. I thought one of the interesting things you're talking about, EJ Warner, we saw him share snaps with Quincy Patterson in the second half. Um, I think they just wanted to try stuff out, you know, uh, since they were clearly going to win the game. Well, and and is a clear running threat where Warner is not. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. So he, he led, he actually led them in rushing 10 mm-hmm. carries for 52 yards, but I like to see, that was just a halftime adjustment. It's not going to mean anything going forward, but I like to see Drayton making these moves, like doing things that are different and trying to showcase different stuff when he has the chance, because that means that he wants this team to grow. And he, and you know what I mean? He's open to other situational. When play. you're in a position like that in the second half, you have an opportunity to put things on tape that next week, you know, I believe that they are playing uh, Memphis next week. So now Memphis has to look at more stuff on, on film than they otherwise would have. And you got a chance to, yeah, exactly. you knew at the very least a disaster won't cost you the game. Yeah. Well, yeah. last point on temple and then we can move on. They entered Saturday with the 10th most sacks in the country. Okay. And the 11th best pass defense. Uh, so that's fun on offense. They are a perfect seven of seven when trying to score in the red zone this season. So we've got a little efficiency going on over there in Philly. Ooh, just a little we, lo- we love Philly. to see it. We love to see it. So hopefully this is a team that I'm right about trending up as opposed to, you know, the USFs of the world, which I was tragically wrong about. So. Yes, you were. Yes. <laughs> what you got is the next one. Uh, moving on, North Texas 34, Memphis 30. Yeah, North Texas 34, Memphis 44. Mm-hmm. So that's numbers a little bit down in this game, I thought, overall. But the running game, especially Brandon Thomas, stepped up in a way that I don't think I've seen a ton of the way you used to back when, uh, back when mm-hmm. man, like Mike Norvell was the coach there. Uh, yeah. For me, it's a lot, same story, different day with this too. I almost said SMU because that's who I have on the brain for the same <laughs> day thing where your offense still shows these signs of explosiveness, but your defense is still showing this like tendency towards giving up a bunch of points. And in a way you were lucky enough to be playing North Texas. I mean, you've got three and one Memphis now and they've lost to the only good team they've played in my opinion, which is the way you're supposed to do it. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. supposed to be the teams that aren't as good as you, but I'm wondering if you agree with me when I say I think it's a slightly inflated record at three and one. Yeah, I think so. And the the way they let teams back into games is so, it's gotta be so frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, to me. it's yeah. And defense that's liable to get beat up a bit. And I think when they get into conference play, they're going to have trouble because of that defense. Now their offense can score with anybody. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think I love Seth Hennigan as a quarterback. I think he has shown, he struggled first in that first half, though. Like sometimes it does take him time to get in that rhythm, and that's not good when you play in this yeah. league. He is still a young quarterback. He is mm-hmm. in his first year of a new offense with a new offense coordinator. So there are reasons to say, "Hey, you know, he's." I'm not naming him an All-American. I'm saying I like him. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't say you were calling him an All-American, but I mean, he he's he's good. And I like watching him play, but he needs to get it going quicker. I will say this for their defense. 
the performance of the game, I think, and the AAC also agreed as they gave him honor roll honors this week. Xavier Collins, senior linebacker, had eight tackles with a tackle for a loss, fumble recovery, and that big fourth quarter interception mm-hmm. that basically that he returned for a touchdown that you know gave them the victory. Because at that point, it's 20. I mean, I mean, it wasn't 27, it was within a score for North mm-hmm. Texas. And that interception really saved them in my opinion. So, you know, you talk about defense not being great, but like shout out Xavier Collins. Yeah, absolutely. They made it. Yeah. He made an explosive play to help save the day because if he didn't, there's a chance you lose to a North Texas team that people don't think very highly of. And, you know, then we're having a different conversation about this Memphis team, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because North Texas, they're going to be an AAC school next year. I don't think, I think they're an incredibly inconsistent team is their problem more than anything Yeah. Else. You know, and it's one thing to be inconsistent. It's another thing to be, to lose to that inconsistent team. You know, I don't know. I agree. Um, yeah. Anything else to add on North Texas Memphis? Nope. That's it. Nice. Uh, Indiana 24, Cincinnati 45. I think a little bit closer than that final score would indicate, though, uh, overall. Really? Yeah, I think Indiana had a couple turnovers, a couple, like, momentary lapses of judgment that made the score wider. But I think mm-hmm. those momentary implosions were a little bit closer than the score would indicate. Now, Cincinnati was still the better team. Since they mm-hmm. were still clearly the team that deserved to win the game because they didn't have the implosions. You know what I mean? But yeah. it wasn't to me, it wasn't like a straight up one team's clearly better than the other all day long, like they're stronger, faster, whatever. It was one team's probably better than the other, and the other is also kicking itself, like shooting itself in the foot. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're the Bearcats have the opposite problem of Memphis. They come out swinging 28 point lead in the first. <laughs> In, in the first half to go up on a team like that. Um, they come out too quick and then sometimes people, people catch yeah. up on them. Um, but yeah. I will say this, I was, I was shocked to see, and, and maybe, I don't know if this is a testament to Indiana or is a testament to maybe people seeing the Cincinnati secondary isn't as good, but um, their quarterback, Connor Baz, I can't say his name, Basil, 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 I don't know. He's a luck. Um, he That's tossed so a program fun. record 66 pass attempts he threw against yeah. Cincinnati. That's yeah. dumb. That's bad game planning. You know what? I can <laughs> bad game plan. You know why? why? You know who Indiana? Walt Bell, former UMass head coach, won two games at UMass. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, that was uh, there was two players with honors from Cincinnati, actually the offensive player of the week and the defensive player of the week, both from Cincinnati. Offensively, it was Tyler Scott, the junior wide receiver. Um, he had a career high in receptions, yards, yards and touchdown receptions to lead them to their win. Ten receptions for 185 yards, three first half touchdowns. Insane. Yeah. Um, 
He leads the American with five touchdown receptions and is third in the league at 105.8 receiving yards per game. So Tyler Scott winning offensive player of the week, defensive player of the week, Ivan Pace Jr., who is a senior linebacker for the Bearcats. He had a game high 15 tackles, including four and a half tackles for a loss and two and a half sacks with three quarterback hurries. He led a defense that limited the limited Indiana to 3.3 yards per play and forced three turnovers. Yikes. Yeah. That's a really good defense to Cincinnati. And I will say I've been hard on Ben Bryant to start the season. He looked improved in this game. Yeah. So Which I, I did not think it was going to go this way. So, I mean, I, I picked Cincy, but I thought Indiana was going to give them a little bit of a harder time. So, yeah, Good maybe if it was at Indiana, it would have been a harder time, but it was yeah. at Nippert. So we'll never know yeah. now. Uh, Georgia Tech 10, UCF 27. Uh, kind of a sloppy game for UCF on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly an inconsistent day on the offensive side of the ball where they died down, especially in the first half and had trouble. Okay, so this game started with a very weird 20-play, 10-minute drive from UCF where they went for it on fourth like three times, and then they kicked the really? five-yard line. Like, Ooh. it took the first 10 minutes of the game were one UCF drive that ended in three points, which was a weirdly That's huge tough. <laughs> That's really the, tough. The offense for UCF was just slow out of the gates. You know, UCF had a punt block return for touchdown towards the end of the first half that sparked them. And then the second half, they came out and took care of business a little bit better on offense. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still a super inconsistent offense for UCF. Where yeah. If you ask John Rice Plumley to drop straight back, the offensive line cannot block for him, and he's not comfortable in that pocket. If you are running the ball 65% of the time, and they ran the ball a lot in this game, I should point out. And running play action and screens, he's a lot more comfortable. But it's just clear that John Rice Plumley is limited as a passer, and having an offensive line that's limited in its pass blocking ability does not help. And that's mm-hmm. a consistency thing I think we need to watch as they get into conference play in, term, in terms of like when you do play a good defense, what are you going to, how are you going to find ways to make plays? Uh, yeah. State Georgia Tech's a bad team. They're yeah. one of the teams in the country. And there's a reason. They, they yeah. Yes. You know, I was going to they, say they, they're, they're so bad <laughs> that they caused, you know, well, I don't know if they caused like, it or he caused it himself, but he gone. So. The, a lot of things caused it. We, mm-hmm. this is not a Georgia tech podcast. This is an ACC podcast. We don't need to deep dive. No. What went wrong there uh, with the former temple head coach, other than I think he was probably in over his head from the start. I think he was more about branding than anything else. I think he failed to recruit Georgia. I think he hired the wrong people. I think he made bad decisions in games and ultimately he had a 10 and 28 record in three and a half seasons three and a quarter seasons, however long he lasted. And yeah, tough for Jeff Collins. Georgia Tech stinks. UCF probably should have beaten them by more. Yes. Um, yes. But the offense, again, the consistency issues, I think going forward is the concern. They have at the very least found their kicker in Colton Boomer. He is not missing kicks. Leo Barsky was missing kicks. So I'm thinking. That's good. I'm thinking that that's a problem solved more or less. I'm going to say that now, knocking on wood, yada, yada. Um, yeah. hmm. Offensive line still my biggest concern. John Rice Plumley as a pocket passer, I don't love. Defense, mm-hmm. it's either them or Cincinnati for best defense in the conference, whoever you like one to. Oh, wow. Well, that's good that you mentioned that because Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste 
Yeah. Give it a little oh, twist there. Oh. He earned honor roll honors. The senior linebacker had seven tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, and one forced fumble. So a little bit of everything in this win against Georgia Tech. Well, did you see the him... fumble recovery for UCF's defense where they, it was in their own red zone. They recovered the fumble, brings it down, and I'm, like, I'm blanking on the player uh, right off the top of my head who – who got stripped on the one yard line and went back through through a touchback. So that should have been a touchdown for the defense, but they, um, I need to figure out who this guy was real quick because I literally knew it just a second. My ago. favorite moment was when um, tech had 10 players on the field and tried to run like an extremely critical play and realized, you know, that they were down a guy. So naturally, yeah, well, that's what Jeff Collins got <laughs> or shit like that. It was like, how does this happen at this point in the game where, you know. Because you're just not well coached. Like not having the right number of players on the field is a coaching issue. It just is. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And all like in all fairness to everyone on that team, you know what I mean? I'm not going to blame the players for not having the right number of players on the field. That's the coaches. You know what I mean? It just is. And that's, look, again, I'm not here to. With you and Jeff Collins getting fired, and whether I was the Curry Vance that did it that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stream on Boris Brash, by the way. We're cut a minute jogging to the end zone, he got stripped. Uh, okay. So that's next for him. Well, I'm next glad you brought that out of your system. It, it was hurting me. Um, yeah, I could tell. And actually, it cost UCF the cover on the spread, too. Yeah, that sucks so, for people who bet on sucks games. For, sucks for the better. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyways, I I will say UCF student section was crap in this game. Mm. Not good, UCF. Do better. Yeah. You're known we, for your home environment, so let's yeah, go. We just criticized SMU a minute ago. I think it's worth criticizing UCF for that. The students did not show up in a way they should have. And I get it. It was hot out. Get over yourselves. Uh, yeah. Moving on, Tulsa 27, Ole Miss 35. Kind of what I expected from this game overall, I'd say. <sighs> okay, but I don't think so because you did not think Tulsa was going to hang tough. And you were uh, making fun of me for picking them. So, no. I thought it was going to be a lot of scoring. And I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to be more of a, like a two-score game. I thought it was going to be like more of a blowout. Just, I thought it was going to be like 42-24, like I think is what I said. Okay, well. It was not. It was, it was a, a little close bit closer game. than that. It was a little bit closer than that. They basically, yeah, they kicked one more field goal and held Ole Miss to one last touchdown. Um, Davis Bryn. Lane Kiffin was mad after this game, and he is well. He should be because they took it to him. Yeah, well, they had a twenty-one point lead in the first half, and then Tulsa does what Tulsa does and makes it a game. And you know Kiffin hates that. He hates it if anyone tries to pull an upper hand on him. So I guess after the game, um, like he made some comments to the press. I don't know if you saw this, but he was like, yeah, he was saying like, I wish we could have done this at halftime. It would have been a good press conference. Um, And then he just talked about like how they didn't play well in the second half and basically how like the locker room was like a sad place, even though they won the game. Switch, well, suck it, Lane Kiffin. Well, Davis Brown went down with an injury in this game too, which yes, is also big, not big good. Concern going forward for Tulsa. Um, yeah, I tried to find an update on his injury today. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong spots. Maybe I'm not. Hard to say. You're not looking on Twitter. 
I mean, Twitter is one thing, but you know, you're like, (laughs) my point is I couldn't find an injury update for him. That was more than vague, Mm -hmm. which tends to happen with colleges because they're kids and they're not paid. So they like to keep that type of thing secret. I guess Uh, they're saying that it's day to day. So it's possible that he will play this week, but maybe not likely, but that he would likely be ready to go for the next week at, at Navy. So um, the fact that they're saying that is good because it's not a long-term thing. So they're saying it's like a day-to-day, which is good. It's something not too crazy. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. Maybe if he didn't get injured, Tulsa pulls out this game too. You never know. Yeah. I think they would have. Tulsa's a weird team. Uh, weird, weird team this year. Yeah. Hard to judge. Hard, hard, hard to judge. Anyways, moving on. Uh, Navy 23, ECU 20 in double overtime. Yes. Loses another game on a kick. Just tough. There's like no other way to say it. Really, I cannot reiterate enough. Special teams matter. They will cost you games. They've cost ECU two games now. They cost UCF the Louisville game. Like these will cost. The thing is that the thing is that Mike Houston has historically been a special teams guy. Like he has had good special teams. It is special teams throughout his career. Yeah. I don't know why he's not doing it here. Well, sometimes a kicker's got the yips too. Like I never, Yeah, I think Owen Daffer, Owen Daffer is supposed to be good. So I don't know what's going on with him and it's probably mental. Yeah. And I mean, you should never have been in a position to let Navy take you to Mm -hmm. overtime in the first place as I think, even more of the problem, you know, this was a game that was like, what was it like three, three at the half? Maybe <laughs> dragged you into the mud. Yeah. And didn't. Yes. You made the mistake of letting, uh, they let Navy turn this into their kind of game and you were never going to win once it got that point. Uh, Ty Lavate looked much improved after the bye week. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what we needed was a bye week to hit the reset button and just kind of like figure out what was going wrong. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't a touchdown in this game until the fourth quarter. And then both teams, it was 28 fourth quarter points. It was yeah. a very silly game all around in terms of its structure. Um, you know, Navy controlled the ball. Navy. I want to stick with Navy for a second and be positive about them. Cause we've been very negative. Yeah. About them. yeah. I Navy. have not been negative about Navy. Okay. Well, you should have been. No. <laughs> Navy played a very clean game. They did lose one fumble, but they only had one penalty for five yards. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. they went four and fourth down there, fairly efficient. They held the ball for 37 minutes this game, 4.5 yards of play at Navy. That's all you need is 4.5 of play. It doesn't mm-hmm. need to be better than that. 191 on the ground. That's a good day for Navy, the way things have been going this year. Ty Lavate, seven for 10 for 152 and touchdown. Now the triple. Like, this is a good day for Navy's all around team. Yeah. Mean? Now they've been trying to win games forever. And here I can still work there, even if it's not working as consistently as it used to. Yeah. Here's here's my my two cents on it, my issue, my thing that irks me about this because I I, I want to see Navy do well, but I also love you know ECU, ECU and I thought they were gonna win and I love Holton Nailers and to see him have a game like that that's below what his ability is. Okay, and just not do as well as he should be well, doing. It wasn't just him. The running game struggled in the No, two. all of it. It was all of it. But this is what kills me, okay? Special teams player of the week for the AAC. Senior kicker Daniel Davies from Navy. Okay, Davies entered Saturday's game having never attempted a collegiate field goal or a PAT. 
ever. Yeah. But he accounted for 10 points going three for three on field goals. He made a do or die 43 yard one, which 43 yards for a guy who has never made a collegiate field goal is a lot. That's a long kick. That's a long kick. I think on TV, sometimes people look at field goals and they go, oh, that's not that far. I could could probably make Go on like your local high school football field and stand, you know, at the 20 yard line and then look up because that's a 30 yard kick right there. You can't kick a ball that far. In that and high. these are OT field goals. So he makes a 43 yarder to extend in the first OT to extend the game. And then he hits a 29 yarder to basically win the game. Who is this kid? And how did he like from going from not kicking a field goal in a game to nailing all three of them and winning the game for Navy. So like shout out field goal kickers. What? He's the now comparing field goal kickers. I said, because <laughs> they pulled Perry out of the stands is like the kind of story about him. Right. Even though he, I mean, he was on the team. He was just like a freshman who wasn't dressing. I just, am, I was just like both irked and impressed by that little note from the AAC, but shout out to, to Navy for getting it done. Yes. I think I want to stay positive about Navy rather yeah. than ECU because right. I, I have room to be. It nervous. happens. This is what Navy, Navy does to like teams. Well overall. Yeah. But yeah, you yeah. let Navy after a bye mm-hmm. week drag you into their kind of fight. Yeah. That's what happens. happens. That's why. That's how yeah. why UCF lost the Navy last year. It's mm-hmm. why teams lose to Navy who shouldn't lose to Navy. But like right. ECU is not a bad team because of this. No. Navy, this is what they do, and they got sucked I, into the quicksand, like you said. I feel so. so much better about ECU if they just beat NC State because then I could give yeah. them a Navy loss and feel right. good for Navy without being like, man, but your record's two and two, and I feel like you should be four now. They're not closers. This this is not a team of closers. And that's probably very frustrating for Mike Houston, I could yeah. guess. Well, it's the special teams thing, you know? Yeah. Anyways. Two games left. Yeah, Rice 27, Houston 34. You almost called this. <laughs> almost. Your boy Mike Bloomgren almost had it. Oh, I can never tell you how excited. I, I don't even care that they lost. It's it's For me, it's the fact that this was even a game. That is a testament to Holgerson. I mean, yeah, they should. I mean, they should have won. Holgerson, I don't know how he manages to do this, but he, Houston avoided a a near disastrous scenario right at the end, right? Mm -hmm. And and thank God for Jace Jace Rogers for knocking away that that pass in the end, you know, in the end zone. So they escaped by the skin of their teeth. They should not have won this game. And this is what I'm saying is that Houston is not who we thought they were. They have a lot of stuff to figure out. Like this is I, not, this is bad. They might as well have lost. I, I want At this point, I hundred percent agree. Like this is a team that is flawed mentally. I think, mm-hmm. I think the mm-hmm. way they're approaching games, I think their attitude during the games, I think their discipline, all of it's incredibly flawed. I think when things get tough, they get frustrated. They don't buckle down. I think it's, yeah. I mean, there's got on offense. I think there has to be some level of scheme issue going on too, because the talent should overcome a team like Rice pretty easily, even if you're having issues. Yeah, I don't offense. care that I don't care. I don't care that Derek Parrish is not playing. I don't care. Well, Your I mean, defense is supposed to be elite. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking for the season going forward. Derek Parrish is done for the year. Rice. I'm saying for this game, the, I'm in general. Okay. Yeah, for Rice. Let's let's look in the box of Rice then. Yeah. Rice sucks. Let's be honest. They have extreme academic restrictions on them. They've never in their entire history had a good team. 
that's I'm not trying to insult Bloomgren. I know you like him. I know that you know. I mean, yep. like, I know he's probably as good a hire coming from Stanford as they could have had to understand what they need. I will right. not say a bad word about Mike Bloomgren okay. on this podcast, and, I, and I'm really not trying to say anything about him. I'm trying to <laughs> okay. say about the the inherent nature of the Rice program. You yeah, know, it's extremely academic minded school. Kind of like we talked, we were getting a lot of people talk about Georgia Tech in the next few weeks. Yeah, probably, probably doing all their hiring processes. Well, Georgia Tech, you can't just be a guy and go to Georgia Tech. You need to be a guy who wants to be an astronaut to go to Georgia Tech. Yeah. You need to get that, you know, 750 on math on your SAT. You need to be able to take in past Calc 1 and Calc 2 to go to Georgia Tech. Rice is similar. You know, Rice yeah. is extremely academic heavy. Uh, Stanford, that you know very well, it's the same way. You have to take your academics seriously there. Mm-hmm. You can't, and this isn't. I'm what not, does this have to do with Houston? Okay, I'm just what I'm trying <laughs> You're to get. Getting off yeah. topic here. This is not a okay, Rice podcast. And Rice, well, it's going to be next year, so get used to it. <laughs> not yet. Um, anyways, and Rice has never been good. Like, I don't know. Okay. And Houston has the coaching, has the talent, and has the money to be extraordinarily better. You should never be in a close game with Rice ever. Mm-hmm. Battle mm-hmm. for the Bayou Bucket. Don't care that you're both in the city of Houston. You should beat them by 30 every time you walk in the field just by snapping your fingers because you are that much better inherently. You know? Do you think that it's fair to blame these problems so far and going forward on all the injuries? It's Derek Parrish, uh, I mean, Nathaniel helped. Dell you is going to be... Injuries never help a team. Why are there so many injured players? What's wrong with their strength conditioning? Well, this happened to UCF last year. I feel like sometimes teams are just snake bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Gus got in a bad strength and conditioning coach last year where UCF, all of a sudden, half the team had torn ACLs. You know what I mean? I think sometimes mm-hmm. you get bad luck and sometimes it adds up. And I don't know. Like, if it's a trend over years, then maybe you look at it as like, are you doing something wrong? Right. But, but this could be the beginning of it. Who knows? Hypothetically, my, I don't think that's the case. I think there, there are. We don't know. Well, I think there's. I think there are issues with Dana, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you ready for Dana Holgerson's quote of the game? Are you ready for this? Because there's one every the game. I bet it's the quote I had pulled up. I'll let you say it. No, you go ahead then. Oh, no, no, no. But okay, we'll say it together. No, <laughs> you go. Was it his post-game comments about how he's sick and tired of motivating these kids? No. Okay, so we got different quotes. You go with yours. He he said, somehow we figured it out, a way to get a win. Okay, I'm grateful for that. Okay, that's like a normal coach speak. Then he goes, a lot of stupid stuff once again. I ain't taking responsibility for that. At some point, they just have to quit doing that. I am okay. so tired of him pawning off responsibility on these kids. Like, I don't care if they're not executing what you want them to execute. You're the head coach. And I hate when head coaches don't shoulder the responsibility the way a head coach should. Okay. So my quote was also from the post-game presser. Mm -hmm. Tired of yelling at them, tired of motivating them, tired of all that crap. Dana Holgerson. Yeah. And that's probably we're tired of you. We're tired of your team not being coached the way they need to be coached. I'm sorry, but what the hell are you getting paid millions of dollars to do? Exactly. Motivating them and making sure that they know what they're supposed to be doing and making sure that they're disciplined when the time comes down to it. So if your team is unmotivated and undisciplined and you're saying you're tired of trying to motivate them, well, that sounds like you're not very motivated to do your job. 
What you didn't include at the end of that quote is he said, nobody's feeling sorry for us. Nobody's feeling sorry for me. And then he continued and said, I am a little bit as a joke. I want to punch this man in the face. That's not funny. It's like a Brian Kelly joke. I'm just like, yeah, no one's feeling sorry for you. Why why would we feel sorry for you? You're not doing your job. Good Lord. I cannot. He's the best paid coach in this conference. I can't do it. I can't do it with Holkerson anymore. Results aren't matching on the field. I think that between the injuries, between the discipline, between the mental Mm -hmm. air, I think conference. And whatever discourse is going on, which we obviously don't know about, but there's something. I think it might be, and it looked like an easy conference schedule for them. Everybody said that maybe it's going to be, well, it's easy if you have a complete team that works together for a common goal, but that's clearly not what's happening. With the raw talent, it should have been an easy one with the results to build on from last season. They're not a team. Well, that's what I'm saying though. They're not a team. Everything indicated that it should be, but there's some, there's some rot in the uh, walls, I think. Yeah. There is one bright spot. Nathaniel Dell, the wide receiver that we talked about earlier, got honorable mentions, seven receptions for 134 yards and a touchdown before he, I believe, hurt his ankle is what it was. But it's unfortunate that injuries started to stack up in this game as well for Houston. That's not going to make things easy. No, it does not. All right. Last game of the day. Uh Uh-oh. Did I lose my co-host? All right, and last game on the docket was Southern Miss 27, Tulane 24. This game was weird because I had it on my second screen, actually, that I was watching. It got to be 14 nothing Tulane, and I kind of, like, put it out of my mind and focused on A&M Arkansas because that was just a good, enjoyable game to watch you were at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I turned back down, and it was like 27-17. I was yeah. Like, hey. I was like, what happened in this game? And then I went, me, I, like, looked, I went to look at the stats. I'm like, this still doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, you, I think you had to tell me. You had to tell me because I wasn't. I was obviously at the Arkansas game, so I was busy. But and then I got a text from you talking about that, and I was like, wait, what? And I had to go check it. I just don't understand. It's so weird. I mean, it's a bit of a letdown game, obviously, but they jumped out to an early lead. And then, I mean, Pratt had an okay game. He did have an interception. Spears had yeah. an excellent game on the ground. Mm-hmm. It just like and he and he had some catches that were. He had seventy four uh, receiving yards. Spears mm-hmm. did. So um, that's you know unusual. Tulane had thirty six minutes of field position. They only punted twice to Southern Miss's five punts. You know, Southern Miss was three for twelve on on fourth down. You know, you met twelve. No, that had to be third down. Three for third down. Did I say fourth down? Yeah, I was like, there's no way. (laughs) I meant third down. Uh, I got you. Southern Miss had 13 first downs to Tulane's 26. Like, Tulane had 451 yards. Southern Miss had 253. This game was a statistical oddity. Tulane was the better team on the field. Tulane was the better team in the stat book. And they lost. Yeah, you know that happens. Big plays so. happen. You know, lapses happen. It was weird though. This was a weird game. But this is what I've been saying this whole time: is I don't trust Tulane. I don't trust Michael Pratt. I, don't I just don't. Pratt, I don't even blame Pratt for this game. I know twenty four like an outstanding like, at the end of the day. That's not like right. Really right home about, but like 
I didn't even think I'm not blaming him specifically, but I do like as a quarterback, your job is to put more points on the board than the other team. You know, that's you're leading the offense. I was happy for Will Hall after this game. He was so clearly incredibly happy. Yeah. Well, that's got to feel good for him. Yeah. (sighs) All right. That was week four. Yeah, that was what, when what a week it was. Now we get to move into some conference play. Yeah, more consistent conference action coming up. Yes. I'm excited for this. And we get a Friday night game, which we always love a Friday night game. Yeah, and we get my favorite Friday night game of the year, every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chaos. Do you, jump, do you want to jump right into it or do you want to look the piece? Yeah, let's do it. All right, yeah, Tulane at Houston on Friday night. Come on now. Yes, at Houston too. I like it better when it's at Tulane. I feel like more crazy stuff happens, but either time goes up on over, and you know it's a whole. (laughs) Either way, when these teams meet, it is always something weird. So, and in this case, I don't know who you pick in this game because you're you're looking at a Tulane team that's coming off. Just a terrible loss to Southern Miss. Real freak loss. Yeah. Okay. But sometimes that's worse mentally. Like that's not a great place, headspace to be in. Yeah, but Houston's in a great headspace right now. (laughs) And then you have Houston who barely beats cross-town rival Rice. But yeah, who knows what's going to happen in this game? Because I certainly don't. And I'm sick of pretending that I understand anything (laughs) that these guys do. I'm tired of it. That's fair because there are a few teams, I think, it's tough when you do what we do to have a beat on and a good read on every single. Yeah. Team. And I think that's something yeah. that, I mean, it can kind of get lost, but like, you know, we have the games we cover, we have the AAC games on top of that. We have, you know, I mean, I, you know, you do your work, uh, which is excellent mm-hmm. where you're covering games like AM Arkansas, where you have to have a focus on that. Right. I'm, do my stuff around three, which is. Yeah. You have to have a focus on everything. <laughs> much more power five centric. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to get a beat on every single team in the country all at once. It's just a lot of them. And yeah. within the conference, there's a few teams that are always tough to get a read on. And there's some teams where they kind of have the same read year in, year out. Yeah. Tulane and Houston are not those teams. Those are teams yeah. that every year, they're just a different ball of something. Here's what I'm going to say for this preview. And this is all, this is my one sentence. Ready? Houston has to stop committing penalties and shooting themselves in the foot. Okay. Rice, by the way. Yeah, they did, which is bad. So the undisciplinedness, I think is stemming from how undisciplined Holgerson is just as a human being. So I think, you know, I don't know that that's going to change, but to win this game, they need to be more disciplined, no penalties. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Now for Tulane to win, Michael Pratt needs to not throw any interceptions because Houston will make you pay if you do that to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they need to be balanced again. They need, I like how they involve Ty J Spears in the run game as well as the pass game, but Pratt has to step up and make good choices. For me, that's going to be how they win this game at Houston. Yeah. I can't say I disagree with either of those things. It's about sloppiness with both of these two teams. When they play clean games, they're both capable of being very good. Teams. Yes. Uh, I'm concerned about the injuries that are starting to stack up for Houston for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think so. Who, I'm curious who you're gonna pick. This is what I'm very curious about. I'm going Tulane. I, I do not trust Houston right now. I do not trust Houston. See, and I want to pick Tulane oh, too, but uh, but I just did. I know that's. I like to at least have some. I'm gonna. Uh, 
No, I'm going to go Houston. I'm going to go Houston. You're going to go Houston. Yeah. You are more than welcome to pick. Only because they're only because they're home. And I think it's, I honestly think it's a toss up right now. Both teams are shit show. So these games are, I don't think Chilean's a shit show. I don't think that's fair to them. I think the Southern Miss loss was tough, but they just beat Kansas State, who's a good Big 12 team. Okay. They, that's... I know they had a couple easy ones to start the year that we were kind of like saying hold and wait. I think that they're mm. a good team who lost a weird, fluky game. We'll see. We shall see. Next. Right. Temple at Memphis. Weird Oof. game every year because Temple always seems to have Memphis's number. Yeah. But Temple is in such a huge rebuild this year that I just can't see how they can keep up yeah. with Memphis's offense. It's been a couple of games since Temple's allowed a uh, offensive score, but they have to travel uh, travel to the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. Not an easy place to play. Uh, I think Memphis is going to be able to run away with it in the end. You know what I mean? I don't think yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, I don't think Temple has the depth on offense to keep up in a shootout. I think that their defense is going to get God a little bit. This is going to be kind of an ugly game, in my opinion, because, yes, they're both coming off wins, but no, neither was very good looking. Uh, My biggest issue with both these teams in their last games was the conversion on third down. I think uh, Temple was three of 11 and Mm. Memphis was two of 12. So I don't expect there to be a lot of third down conversions, which means they've got to score either like quickly and not have to have long drives where they have to convert or there's going to be yeah, and that's defensive chaos all year though. Hasn't it? The mm-hmm. big places when Memphis scores, they haven't had a lot of really good sustained drives this season. They're it's crazy they because Pennigan puts up a lot of yards, but I honestly completions in the game. I know. I feel like we're going to see defensive scores in this game. So really? it's going to come. Yeah, I think so. I Who think so. Are? Obviously, I'm going to pick Memphis because I would not pick against them at home very often. And Temple, like you said, still rebuild. But I expect it to be a little bit of a game, I hope. So, yeah, I think it will be a game. Uh, yeah. I'm also on Memphis just for the awesome. sake of uh, making sure we all know it. Uh, Navy at Air Force, first leg of the Commander in Chiefs trophy. Always interesting games. Don't discount how much Navy hates Air Force. (laughs) They do hate Air Force. Like Army and Navy have the traditional rivalry. This one that's like the prestige game. Air Force. There's like respect in that rivalry. And this one, there's not. (laughs) Air Force is bitter about that. You've got two East Coast schools that have this prestige game with one another. Yeah. And they're like, what about us? No one cares. For less time. I think it's kind of this. You see it where it's like, they're kind of just like, eh, we're yeah. different than you. We're the same, but we're different. And we, there's a little bit more hate about it. It's interesting. Yeah. Navy looking to get back to even in their wins loss column with a yeah. win over Air Force. Air Force is three and one. I forgot and to mention. Air Force is really good this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, they're, they are a good probable, team. So probable commander in chief's trophy winner, possible Mountain West winner. Maybe. Uh, I forgot to mention in the Friday game, Houston favored by two and a half. Again, we've talked about how those are home advantage points. So that's yeah, interesting that that's like, that means, yeah. yeah, that's a wash. Uh, and then in the Temple game, Memphis favored by 19 and a half, which feels. I might take Temple. 
disrespectful. Yeah, yeah I would. Not win, but not, I might take them to cover. The points. Yeah, that's crazy yeah. to me that it's almost 20 points. Now that could go down as the week wears on. However, but. people bet on it. Yeah. Air Force favored by 15, which is less than the Temple Memphis game. What's the over under? Because you always have to bet the under in the military and the academy game. I know, right? That's the actually under, a good question. Let's the look. under hits like 90% of the time in academy game, academy games. I'm feeling good though, the way Ty Lavate was looking and the way Navy was clicking. I feel good about them going to Air Force. Don't you? I get, like uh, I get I I I do agree with that. I think. After the bye week, like I feel possible, better. It's possible they figured something out after the bye week where they're clicking again on offense. Mm-hmm. Where like they said, "Hey, we need to take a minute reset and work on what's not working." Maybe they figured it out. I'm not. Oh, we have actually seen the line move. Now it's 14, but the over under. Get ready. What do you think? If you had to guess, 36 and a half. Oh, you were close. 37 and a half. There you mm-hmm. go. You take I, that under. I take that under. Yeah. Um, I think so. These games are always like 20 to 14, something like that. You know what I mean? It's very rare that you don't get that. Catch. That moved already. That moved down to 14. It was 15 um, yeah, I mean, earlier. Interesting. Yeah. If this is a 20 to 14 final, it's not surprising. Just that's the type of scores you get in this. You know what I mean? And that would be. Yeah. Um, it's just both teams want to up clock. Both teams want to be deliberate in what they're doing. You don't see a lot of points with that kind of thing. I think the biggest problem in this game is Air Force's rush offense is one of the best in the country. So, um, yeah, Air you know. Force is everything Navy wants to be right now. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, it's going to be fun, though. That'll be a great if you love, you know, triple option fullbacks. If you love hard fought football, this is going to be a game to watch for sure. Yeah, I'm on Air Force. How about you? Ooh, I'm going to go Navy. You're going to, I don't think, I don't. I don't really think they're going to win, but I'm hoping they will win. So that's it's why I'm, I'm, asp- I'm aspirationally picking them. Yes. How did that work last week? It doesn't work for me well often, I will tell you. But I was very thrilled to be close to write about Tulsa because it showed how, like, how disruptive they can be and close to write, write about Rice. So I will take that. Fair enough. ECU right. at USF. Oof. Uh, this game got moved from Tampa to yes. Boca Raton in FAU Stadium, actually, because of uh, Hurricane Ian that's coming for Hurricane Tampa. Effing Ian. So that game got moved. It's, uh, I mean, it's probably going to be the Do you think that, do you think US. that, like, do you think that matters that it was moved or no? Yes, I do. Okay. I mean, like I said, same amount of USF fans will be in attendance either way. It's not going to affect right. them. They don't, they're not going to the game anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to be so what do you think it affects uh, just the psychology of the of usf because you know when you play a home game a lot of the benefit is your routine uh, you know mm-hmm. i mean yeah you've got your fans behind you and you get that support like on the field with, from them but a lot about it you sleep in your own bed you're you know the locker room you know the field you know no, none of them sleep in their own bed they all sleep in hotels the night before okay games. but you know what i mean they know what yes. hotel they're going to you know what i mean yeah it's it's familiar that's what I'm getting at. Is okay, you know I got you. Room, you know, there's a comfort level. Like when you know that at three o'clock games, the sun's coming in at this angle, so you have to be yeah. careful of that. You lose all of that at FAU. The crowd, there will be no crowd there, more or less. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be pretty much an empty, cold stadium. And uh, yeah, so I think you lose what home field advantage you do have, and plus on top of that, again, the Hurricanes hitting Wednesday night into Thursday. 
It's going to affect the USF players who are from Florida by and large. It's going to affect mm-hmm. their families. It's a mental uh, barrier too with all that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember it's last year, this was a, this was an, this was a fun game to watch last year. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think it's going to be a weird game to watch. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be very good. And I'm not hopeful for any good things coming out of here because honestly, the way USF is playing, I feel like EC is going to play down to their level. I really do. I don't, I don't feel good about this at all. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think ECU should beat them pretty handily. But I thought they should beat Navy pretty handily too. So like that's what I'm saying is like I I don't feel good about it. ECU is favored by nine and a half. Yeah, I mean, I would probably take ECU to cover that nine and a half because I just watched mm-hmm. what happened. You know, I say I watched. I saw pieces of what happened to them against Louisville. I wasn't going to watch that whole blowout. You know, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just. It, it's I don't really- know if it's a double digit win, and I don't know it's what about little- the weather. I mean, is there going to be, is it going to get some spinoff from the, like, it's not going to get any, like, there's going to be no rain, no wind at all? Hurricane's hitting Thursday in Florida. It's hitting pretty decently northwest. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think of a California equivalent for you, but it's kind of like playing the game in San Diego when Yosemite's getting weather. Okay. Gotcha. Is I think the best way to put it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I think, yeah. I mean, USF is not a very good football team. ECU is a better one. It's a road game mm-hmm. for ECU, no matter what stadium they're playing in. It's not a very yeah. challenging road environment because it's going to be such a weird thing. And USF loses any comfort level that you get from a home game, and you have to add the difficulties of traveling. I don't even know when they're traveling. Are they waiting until after the storm passes, or are they traveling right now as we speak to beat the storm there? Like, what, what's the deal with that? I don't know. Like, it's a mess. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, so, then you've convinced – You've convinced me I'm going to go with ECU then. I got to roll with Holton. Come on. I, I can't believe it took convincing to get you to eat. <laughs> a little bit. I'm upset by that. I'm upset. I'm shook by the Navy game. I'll tell you. Okay. Shook but you me shook by the Louisville game. I also was shook by that, but that was more expected. We well, knew they were going to lose to Louisville. You picked USF. You picked USF. Wait, I know. <laughs> but I, that was because I love them. Like not because I really thought they were going to truly beat them but you picked them to win you said that yeah because sometimes i think they i feel like they'll have those games you know but after seeing this particular game where everything was bad like there was not something where i could be like oh that was good you know or oh they made this push no it's donezo for me no fair enough uh like the guy that cheated on you like five times and you just still let him back like no this is enough (laughs) enough is enough Five times, huh? Do we have a story, Emily? Do we have a story? (laughs) Ew, no. Okay. Uh, Cincinnati at Tulsa. So great. Just just chaos. I need to know what Davis Brin's status is, though. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't that be great if he was fine to go, though? It would be a good game. If he's good to go, it's a super interesting matchup between Cincinnati's really elite secondary and Mm -hmm. Davis Brin. Davis Brin, who's an exciting, explosive offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keelan Stokes, who we love. But if Davis Burns not healthy, it's all shot. Yeah. And that's the problem. Is you is I don't know Davis Burns' current health status. His day to day, does that mean he plays? Who knows? That's I mean, but it's also not at Cincinnati, which which helps it get, keep it weird. Yep. But 
It does keep it weird. That should be the slogan for the conference. Just yeah. we keep it weird. Uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati is favored. No, that's Pac-12 after dark. That's different. By the way, I don't know if you watched any Pac-12 this weekend, but Stanford played Washington was in a late night. Then I didn't. No, it was on. It was normal. It was like on Fox or something. I don't know. But they played a late night game at Washington, and it was stopped. The game was stopped because somebody flew a drone over the field and just sat it there above the play. And the uh, referees had no idea what to do. They went and got the cops involved who then had to figure out like who was flying this drone. And it was the most Pac-12, most Stanford thing I've ever seen. Was that at Stanford? No, it was at Washington. That's hilarious. No one at Stanford is going to care enough to fly a drone over the game. Like what? Well, enjoy Washington while they're still in the Pac-12, huh? Also, Stanford lost their best uh, running back, EJ Smith, oh, Emmett Smith's son, went down today with a season-ending injury. I think that he got in the USC game. Okay, this is so completely off-topic, but yeah. I saw someone either today or yesterday. So I'm talking about how, like, if Mike Bloomgren can manage a winning record at Rice this year, and David Shaw is no as a losing one, which he will. Yes. He's no longer the coach at Stanford for one reason or the other. Why not Bloomgrass? Well, I'll tell you why not, because they're not going to get rid of Shaw. So David Shaw would have to physically leave on his own, which he won't do because he's getting paid $9 million to coach a four win team. And mm. nobody cares. Why would you ever leave? <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I guess my thought was more like if you could get rid of Shaw, would Bloomgren be your guy at Stanford or would you? I I don't know. I mean, maybe that's a tough, I'd have to think about that. Cause I'm, I have my heart set on Andrew Luck, you know, replacing okay. David Shaw. But so Andrew it's Luck's just, not a coach. Uh, I mean, he is everybody's coach. Yes, he is. That's all he does because you he's just Deion all Sanders he's ever. You can like it. Uh, Deion Sanders is coaching every power five opening. Did you know that? <laughs> No, but Andrew Luck is actually a good motivator of men and like a decent human being. So like, it's oh, Deion Sanders thing. is a winner. Okay. Anyways, um, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know what to do in this game because it's tough. You got a three and one Cincy team, two and two Tulsa at what, home. If if Davis Brin were playing in this game, I knew that for a fact. I would have picked Tulsa because I think really. Gonna, I think it's gonna be a weird game at Tulsa. I like that. But because I don't know what his health is, I'm not comfortable making that pick. Yeah. I'm not I mean, comfortable that's... in the, the upset when the quarterback is an unknown for Tulsa. So I'm on that's a Very good question. That's a very, ah. obviously Cincinnati is the better team. Like nobody is yeah, saying no. that they're okay, not. Yeah. I should say since I know Cincinnati is the better team. Right. And I but is weird and can do weird things to you. They're off Tulsa's offense is 11th in the country in total yards, fourth in passing offense. But if Davis friends, I know, I know, kind of out the window. The big, there'll problem. be a big crowd. Tulsa does show out for night games like this. Um, it's a it's a cozy environment. I think is the best way to describe that stadium out there for Tulsa. It's cozy yeah. and it's tough to play. It's intimate, ever, is what we call it. There? Have you ever? No, been I've been, I've tried to go. I have not been yet. It's pretty. So. I want to go. It's on my list. I'm going to pick Tulsa with the hope that Davis Brin fights through whatever it is. He pulls a Justin Herbert and makes a game time start. So that wasn't a good thing for Herbert to do. I don't think. Probably not, but that's the kind of guy that he is. Okay. He's he's an Andrew Luck kind of guy. I love Justin Herbert, but you probably should have rested the game 
Yeah. And then completely healthy for the next week. He didn't want to do that because he loves his teammates and he loves football. I think it's better to take care of, I think for the season as a whole. Yeah. The Jaguars game and being healthy for the game after is better for your team. Yeah. Well, tell that to Andrew Luck because he played with a lacerated spleen. So he should have done that. Yeah. uh, He, yes, I understand. But the guys like that, they're built, they're wired different. They just, they're they're different. All right. We've got one. Last one. SMU at UCF on Sunday at 1 p.m. Got moved to Sunday because of the hurricane. Instead of moving location, UCF is moving a day back. Uh, Another game. I have no idea. Just none. Okay. I, again, I have to kind of agree. I'm not sure what to expect from this game at all for a number of Mm -hmm. reasons. First off, the hurricane movement. I'm expecting a poor turnout from the uh, crowd, to be honest with you. Because it's Sunday? Because it's Sunday. It's not the normal Saturday. I mean, don't get wrong. It's the same people bought tickets for Saturday. They're going to get their ticket on Sunday now. It's just a day later, but it's just it's just different. It's middle of the day, so at least you're not putting it. It's NFL kick time. I mean, true, but at least hungover students can make it. Hypothetically, it's going to be a thousand degrees, probably one o'clock in the. You know, one o'clock. The storm won't cool things down over the weekend. No, I don't know how. Not much. Okay. If it does, well, I mean. We'll see what happens with the UCF water. getting the three and a half point home team nod. That, in, yeah, in that's the... a kind of we don't know what to do with it either thing. <laughs> yeah. You've got a really mediocre SMU defense against an inconsistent mm-hmm. UCF offense. Yeah. You've got a pretty good, but a little bit inconsistent SMU offense against a really good UCF defense. You know, yeah. SMU blew the doors off UCF last year, but UCF had tons of injuries that it was trying to work its way through. Yeah, uh, I think UCF has a better roster top to bottom this year than they did last year. But you know, I don't know. It's a very SMU SMU's run defense is SMU's run defense is 109th in the country. Yeah, <laughs> so if I'm UCF, the damn ball, run the damn ball. Yes, please, because that is. I mean, and that's that works out in their favor, anyways. You know what I mean? Because the air is not I've been got too kind with UCF and the hurricane, though, because you are getting hurricane right into Orlando. Yeah, what, three days before the game. It's like and a two-lane thing. The home, affecting the homes of a lot of your players. Mm-hmm. The same thing I said with USF. USF is playing in a different stadium, but like the same thing. Your practice schedule, your school schedule, your home and life schedule. It's not a normal week, and it's impossible to mentally be in a normal week if you're UCF's players. And that's a yeah. big concern for me is what, where's their headspace, you know? Yeah. You know what's fun is that Tanner Mordecai completing 58.4% of his passes while John Rice Pumley is completing 59%. So that's... Wait, what's that one? But guess how many yards Mordecai has versus... <laughs> 1,385 versus 827. What's wild about uh, Plumlee's numbers is he's got like two, three hundred yard passing games out of four. He only has five touchdowns and three interceptions. He's so he's extremely, extremely Easter famine in the passing game, John Rice Plumlee. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. I don't know who. I mean, are you picking? I mean, who are you picking? I don't know because I, like I said, I don't trust UCF's offense right now, and if we. They get into a position where they need to come from behind. I don't trust it. I just yeah. don't. Um, and I don't trust the mental state of you just got rocked by a hurricane. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
I think there's questions. I think those are. I'm still going UCF because I, I I watched SMU in person last week and I was not. Yeah. It was not good. I'm going. I think I'm going to go SMU while rooting for UCF. Okay. I respect that. I think. I think we got some games this week. I didn't touch on John Rice Plumley's passing line last week against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. You know what it was? No. It was eight for 16 for 49 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and an interception, no touchdowns. Yeah. He also ran for 100 yards and a touchdown, though. So, like, well, there that's you go. Like the, the duality of man. He actually leads the team in yards with 404 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Well, they've got like three or four really good running backs who they split carries between. So that's kind of why. But basically, we're going to see him just care, like quarterback carry like a lot because yeah. this we, rushing defense draw, is trash. Quarterback draw, read option, Isaiah Bowser mm-hmm. power run. Mm-hmm. Get it's it up to Johnny Richardson in space. Get it to you know, Ryan O'Keefe in space. Yeah. Take a couple shot plays. Uh, Meanwhile, Tanner Mordecai is just going to try and throw it to Rashi Rice, who's going to be covered. And then UCF has a really good secondary for what? Yeah. They're going to key in on him because it is so clear that that's all that he looks for. So you're talking me into UCF more and more. I just, I don't trust the offense 100%. The hurricane. So I'm going to. That's fair. All right. That's our AAC week five preview. I think we skipped last week on picks. Oh. I was seven and three. You were four yeah. and six yeah. uh, on the season. I'm 29, 12. You were 23 and 18. You know what happened last week? You picked oh my God. than me and you got them all wrong. Basically. Yeah, but I still have a winning record right now, which is crazy. That's unusual for me. Well, you calmed it down with the amount of upsets you yes. picked. Not last week, but yes, generally. I'm trying to give a healthy mix of craziness, but also like some sanity just to throw people off. So. Yeah, you nearly picked USF to win this week. So I don't want to yeah. hear it. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight, right? Make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter and Instagram at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M. And I forgot to mention the game I'm going to this week is Virginia Tech, North Carolina. It's going to be a new one for me. I've never been. Yeah, it'll be my 46th FBS stadium that I've covered at. So I'm very excited to to head to Chapel Hill. Just Chapel Hill this weekend? Yeah, just one game. Not trying to be crazy and cover a bunch of them. So just one. Gotcha. Well, hopefully that storm doesn't head too far north then. Yeah, I know. Well, there is, it's going to be raining all day. I I checked the weather where I'm flying into Charlotte. It's going to rain where we're covering the game at Chapel Hill. It's supposed to rain all day Saturday. So maybe North Carolina will get its first defensive stop all season then. (laughs) I'm going to be in the house. So there'll probably be some chaos. So people who bet on weird games, pay attention to this one. I guarantee it'll be weird. Where can the people find you, Dan? At Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. I don't have Instagram, so don't look there. Uh, I guess you could look at on three if you're looking for. Oh, yeah. yeah. Check it out. I mean, yeah, tons of stuff there. Tons Lots of, of stuff. stuff. And we'll be back next week for more breakdowns. And hopefully I'll beat Dan in the predictions this week. We'll see. I ice, cream, ice cream for everybody if I beat Dan. Wow. All right. Yeah. We're off. 